is good everybody thank you all for tuning in you're rocking with the boys over at man to man where we bring a unique vibe to the traditional sports talk show this is your co-host andy elliott alongside your co-host liam the hoop star nash hoop star talk to me what's good my guy you still got the beard at least you got the stash because girls say they don't like the beard without the stash is what i noticed i mean i don't have anything but you're looking good yeah i'm, I'm gonna try to keep growing it out see how long i can get it have you ever seen those, you know, biker beards that just have the... You, you know, trying to get a little biker beard going, dude? Oh, hell no, but I definitely... You rocking a biker beard, dude. No, nah, no, nah, that, that ain't for me. Not that. But okay, okay. I Listen. Like, I like the little the little scrubby, scrubby scrub. The little scrub scrub. Okay, okay. Got some dandruff in there, though, my guy. <laughs> Don't do me like that. I'm not the yeah, one. I'm not yeah. the one. Okay. We're on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. We're man to man. We kind of don't know what the hell is going on half the time, but we try to shoot our shit, right? And so uh, you can find us on all streaming platforms at man to man space. Throw a podcast after that. Throw the sub. Throw the like, the review. Damn it. Get your damn merch, man. We got new merch in the works. A lot of other cool things. We got a big, big interview for you guys today. So stay tuned with that. But yeah, we're good over here, Liam. I, um, you know, we always do our little girl problem thing. I ain't got no damn girl problem this week because I took a lady out last week felt the vibe you kind of wait a week dating is so weird man I don't know what to do I ain't got no damn game so I, I waited a, an exact week texted her yesterday on Friday we're recording on Saturday and uh, I said hey what you got going on this week straight up there's Casper in my closet so it's pretty much this guy straight ghosted it's another legend of nice guys finishing last man so that's why we do the podcast. Everybody listening out there. Yes, we skip therapy. Yes, we do a podcast. I feel you on that. I'm sorry that she ghosted you. <laughs> I mean, what else are you, is a guy supposed to do if the girl ghosts him? Just what move on to the next to, one? Are girls bad with their phones? Because I'm not, dude. Like, I mean, I ain't got no, you know, DMs out the wazoo. But my God, you know, I'm looking at my phone at least 25.8. People say I'm bad on the phone. You it's actually not that- are bad at your phone, though. And it's not that I, I'm bad at it. If you want to really talk to me, just call me and I'll answer probably 90% of the time. I text, I read it. If it's not interesting to me, I'm like, all right, on to the next one. I got shit I've got to do. You know, Is it almost do. like look at it and then, okay, maybe I'll just worry about that later and then you just forget about it. Is that what's going on? Some Maybe sometimes if it's like a, like. If it's a question, we're talking about a question here. Well, if it's a question, I'll probably answer it if I look at it right then. Sometimes I am the guy that just be like, hey, you know, I'm on my phone and I and I, I just look at it and don't answer it. But then like there's sometimes I'm not on my phone's not on me because I'm like, you know, recording or doing something else or, you know. Well, maybe I got to throw this rectangular thing out the window. This thing <laughs> is fucking with my mind, man. Yeah, yeah, man, he lays taking applications. I'm done, dude. I'm done. <laughs> we like to talk about basketball. We got like one topic that we're talking about before the interview here. You know, kind of a quieter week around the NBA, but there was one hot topic um, that we kind of got on our eye that happened earlier this week. Inside the NBA, Shaq and Charles at halftime pretty much came out and said he's not a superstar yet because he can only affect a game in one way. Basically, he's only right. a scorer. And if you're a superstar, you have to, you know, affect the game in multiple ways and whatnot. What's your take on this? And then I'll kind of follow it up. 
I don't know. It's Shaq, man. It's a guy who's, you know, he's come up from a dad that was in the military. That's how he was raised. It's Shaq and Charles. These are some old heads, man. And I think they, they're allowed to, you know, construct criticism to these younger guys. And, and Shaq's defense, and I also agree with him right here, I think more of this is needed in today's basketball because Shaq is just pretty much looking at like, hey, I'm telling you this because he's almost acting like a father figure. I'm telling you this to get you motivated. And he's also saying that, and if you don't do it, then, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right about that player. But for them to say that he's not a superstar, one, he's too young. He's 30 years old or something like that. And you're like, you got to do this and that. Then maybe, but I can see both sides of it. But I'm more on I'm more on Shaq's side where I'm just like, hey, this is going to motivate you. All right, brother, I'm just letting you know what I see. And at least he told him straight to his face. I was on the side of like, what the fuck are, is Shaq and Charles even talking shit about another player in the NBA? But after reviewing some clips and watching how it, you know, kind of unfolded, I'm totally on their side now. I think they are just trying to push a young player that has the potential to be become a superstar and needs to be a superstar for his team. So I'm totally on their side to the point that he does affect the game mostly with his scoring is, and that's fine. Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he's a good player. And I think you're right on that saying he is young. He has the potential to grow into the superstar in the next couple of years. This is just them trying to push a guy that they see potential in. It was just the way that Shaq said it. Could have maybe have said it in a, in a different way, but that's just who Shaq is. I'm sure he would be ecstatic for D Mitch to absolutely go off. But kind of what Charles Barkley was saying after that interview was like, hey, man, I was on, I guess, was he on that rock or was he on that Sixers team with Moses and uh, Irving? And he kind of was that third guy. And then, you know, they kind of got up. He got his game up after a couple of years. And now there was more criticism zoomed in on himself as a player, looking more at the negatives. That just means that you're you're a great player. Maybe Shaq could have said it in a different way. But at the same time, players are going to get that microscope on them. It is what it is. I agree with Shaq. agree with Charles. I'm just excited to watch TNT the next time they come on. I don't know if it's tonight on Saturday night or it's one of these nights. And I think that's going to be a big segment that they talk about. And it almost reminded me of what they did to Joel Embiid last year, calling him out because he was on the sideline eating a fucking cheeseburger before the game. <laughs> And was like, hey, I mean, you have the potential if you want to to come out every night and dominate this game and you don't do it. And so they said something to him and what Joel Embiid, the next two games, popped up a 30 point, almost triple double in both of those games. And I'm sure Shaq and Charles are respected by most NBA players because they've been there and done that. So to right. hear them say that, it kind of lights that fire and be like, hey, I got to evolve my game and, and, and change my game, not just by scoring. So. And Shaq's not afraid to say that to guys, too. We've seen him talk about Rudy Gobert, James Harden. He's responded to him. Paul George earlier this season said, you know, he played terribly in the bubble. When you're watching inside the inside the NBA, that's pretty much what you're going to get. You're going to get guys bickering at each other. You're going to get entertainment. I love watching the postgame interviews, and those guys are just straight up real to those players because, like you said, they've been there and they have done that. But without further ado, we're excited to bring on fan favorite and Vanderbilt basketball legend, Derek Byers, DB. What's good, my guy? I appreciate you talking to the Nashville boys and showing some love, man. <laughs> no problem, Andy. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's our pleasure. Glad we could come to uh, a full circle here. We know many of our, our friends and listeners are excited to see and hear what you're up to now, but 
DB, before before we break everything down, man, for the people that are listening, there's one day that I'll never forget. At Thank summer you. 06, DB, Andy basketball Thank camp, championship game, Dan Cage is coaching our team. You got your squad. We know Coach Stallings is in the corner. I hit a go-ahead buzzer beater, and you called me out of bounds, man. What's up with wow. that? Wow. <laughs> I ain't never going to forget that day, DB. It was me that did that? Yeah, it was you. Don't act like it wasn't you. <laughs> I think I remember that, though. I didn't know that was me, though. I thought that was – so Dan was coaching? Dan was coaching our squad. Oh, I think man. you had your squad. I don't know. We went to – I went to so many of those Vandy camps, and I was like, well, let me be on DB's team, man. Come on. You're the one calling all the cheap <laughs> shots out. That's the way we're going to win out here, man. Hey, now, I love those uh, camps, too. Man, it was a good time, right? But – um. Yep. No, nah, man. I mean, for real, though, you you and those guys on that team, man, were incredible to us, you know, giving back to the community, taking pictures after games, you know, being yep. a mentor towards others, man. And, and I know that I can speak on behalf of a bunch of Vander, the Vanderbilt community. And we just want to mm-hmm. say thank you, man. Thank you for everything you did for Memorial Magic and the city of Nashville itself. No, nah, no problem at all, man. I appreciate you guys, everybody, the city, the community, uh, Vandy fans, everybody, man. I went back in 2019, a couple of years ago for the uh, – yeah, the award that I received, and they everybody showed me so much love. It felt great to be home. So I appreciate yeah, you guys too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Before we get into uh, your your career at Vandy, uh, let's talk about kind of your journey getting there, and then some, right? Uh, because okay. we know your career didn't really stop after college. You're in Memphis right, right now, so we all know that yeah. you're a Memphis guy. You had yep. an outstanding, outstanding high school career. I believe you won two state championships, right, at Ridgeway. Correct. Uh, correct. We were going, we were seeing your, your social media. You guys were like throwing lobs uh, off the glass. Lobs and stuff. What's y'all doing over there? <laughs> you guys are making these high school players look silly, right? <laughs> <laughs> we did, man. It was showtime. Anytime uh, we got there, got there on the court, we loved playing with each other, played a good brand of basketball. And um, yeah, man, those are really fun times for sure. Right. Hey, not to mention your GPA. You had an outstanding high school GPA. Uh, a 3.9. I would uh, I would pay a lot of money to uh, get a 3.9 GPA <laughs> somewhere. Um, but but Andy mentioned you got you, you were kind of you know a mentor to him and like myself as well. But who was kind of that mentor for you kind of growing up? I guess both on on the floor and kind of in the classroom as well. Um. Yeah, man. I had quite a few people. Uh, obviously, you know, my parents. Uh, my dad, my mom, they instilled a lot of stuff in me. Uh, so I got to start with them in terms of like on the court. Uh, I had some great coaches, um, my junior high coach, uh, coach Jones, my high school coach, coach Henning, these guys went above and beyond the, uh, just the role of being a coach. You know, they were always there checking on me outside of the court as well. Uh, and I would say that my high school idol, so to say, well, growing up was like Penny Hardaway. That was, he was my, you know, childhood hero. He was the hometown right. hero. Everybody wanted to be like him. So um, he was kind of that standard that I wanted to kind of try to aim for growing up in Memphis. Man, it was always the Memphis schools that won the state championships. What's up? With- <laughs> you guys had some talent over there, man. Yeah, we did. And what I didn't like about it, though, actually, was we had this thing where it was called a substate, meaning – only two, only two teams from Memphis would go to the state championship. <laughs> two from the east side, but four from Middle Tennessee. And I'm like, yeah, why is it only two from Memphis? It should be at least four from Memphis. Right. Maybe you know what I mean. Like I just didn't like 
that way that we were doing it. So with that being said, you had to be like the best of the best coming out of Memphis. Like you were, Man. it was two teams coming from West Tennessee every year and you know, they were for real. Right. 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 I mean, obviously your, your high school kind of career gave you this platform to continue to play at this next level and in college, you started your career at Virginia though. Right. Um, yeah. before, before deciding to transfer to Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. What what made you make that decision and kind of walk us through how you did you end up at Vandy and why you decided to transfer? Yeah, so I, I committed to Virginia um, right before my senior season started. I wanted to get that out of the way so I can just focus on winning another state championship. Uh, I had a Vanderbilt, Tennessee and UConn visit lined up after my Virginia visit, but I committed right after um, my visit to Virginia because 9-11 happened like the next week and just a lot of craziness was going on. So I was like, man, let me just get this out of the way. They're losing Roger Mason to the NBA. They're losing two senior wing players. So I felt like it was an opportunity for me to step right in. ACC, number one public school academically in the country. I felt like, hey, why not? And then I get there. Two years I spent there. You know, it started out great. I was starting. And, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I just didn't get along with uh, some of my coaches plans for me so to say and I had some things going back going on back home as well in Memphis so uh wanted to get back closer to home Vandy provided that opportunity for me and so um it was kind of between Ole Miss and Vanderbilt and right when I was about to commit to Ole Miss because Vandy didn't have any scholarships available and my family wasn't in a uh, position to uh afford you know a scholarship you know to, to, to pay for me to go there and so Right when I was about to commit to Ole Miss, Vandy had a scholarship opening, and uh, the rest was history. Yeah, clearly the rest was history, man. So let's talk about it. When you go to Vandy, um, obviously it's with the NCAA mandatory rules. You you have to sit out for that junior year. Um, And then the next year you come as a start. You come off the bench and come as a starter off rip. Um, I guess yeah. I know that year that you had to sit out, Derek, there, the team yeah. was still fairly young, kind of like what you were talking about, Virginia, the team was still young. You had a couple seniors that left Mario right. Moore became a senior, but then the other guys like Shane Foster, red, Damari Carroll, those guys are just now sophomores. Right. So, right, 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 right. Yeah. So coming on, coming into that season, uh, with Vandy and actually playing on the floor, I guess, how did it feel sitting out a year uh, to not only be able to play, but to actually go ahead and, and get in the groove of things and start for the team? And then how did you become such a strong leader for that team? Yeah, good questions. Um, I feel like I needed a reset button. You know, it took a lot. It took a toll on me mentally when I was at Virginia. A lot of different things that went on. I just kind of felt I just needed a reset button. I also used that year to, uh, to uh, reconstruct my shoulder. I had surgery on that. So that allowed me some time to kind of, wait that out because otherwise if I jump right back in, I wouldn't have had time for my uh, surgery to heal. So it allowed me to just uh, build a bond with my teammates off the court. Uh, Red, Shane, Damari, all those guys you mentioned, Julian Terrell, Mario Moore, so forth. Uh, But these guys were coming in as freshmen. They had to play right away. And I think um, it just allowed those guys to get some experience early. And the next year when I was – a red shirt junior on the court. It allowed me to just already have chemistry with these guys from, you know, the, the entire year that I had already spent with them previously. So um, that junior year, it was still kind of Shane Foster had had a really good freshman year, really good sophomore year. So we were just kind of 
leaning toward him as our primary scorer. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how that unfolded. Right, and it only went up from there. I mean, junior years, you know, you guys get the groove, but then it ultimately led to your senior year where, my God, Derek Byers almost came out of nowhere into a whole <laughs> nother person here. So I know, Derek, I was looking at your Instagram. I was the Instagram uh, picture that you yeah. were talking about how you came back in 2019. I read that, and I was I was like, man, I didn't know he had a bunch of doubters, but apparently there were a bunch man. of doubters. But obviously, man, you get voted by the coaches as the SEC player of the year, unanimously selected all, you know, all these accolades pretty much. Beat number one, uh, ranked Florida. Um, yeah. And then I guess the question here is, what was the biggest difference between your junior year and your senior year to allow your game to accelerate to that next level and, and then lead your, your guys to a Sweet 16? Should have been Elite Eight, but Sweet 16. Yeah, I know, right? Man, crazy. Uh, that summer, I worked my butt off more than any other offseason ever probably even after that. I mean, I got up a ton of shots. I worked on my body, added like at least 15, 20 pounds of muscle so that I wouldn't get banged around from anybody. And I just wanted to be uh, physically dominant on the court. I didn't want to like be pushed around by anybody. And I think that also led to a mentality of uh, dominance, so to say. And I think I also went to uh, Brazil uh, with some other SEC guys, Lee Humphrey, some other guys during that off season that allowed me to just kind of work on my game against some other competition. I think I averaged like 20 something points there and uh, just kind of got in the groove of being somebody who can score. I think my junior year, I was the primary defender. I was the guy who coach would put on the best player. Mm -hmm. And so it went from that to, okay, this is your final year. You got to get something done. If you want to get to the NBA, you have to make your mark um, offensively as well. And I just, all of that just kind of clicked at the right time. Uh, it led to my mentality of trying to step up and lead. What, when was it that you first noticed, I guess, NBA interest uh, that you got the, you know, people were talking and had some buzz around your name? And when did you kind of get that feeling of like, dang, I could, you know, possibly play in the NBA and, you know, get drafted? Right. So, I mean, I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't looking online and seeing what the buzz was and who's talking about who and things like that. I was always college on those kid. sites. You know I mean? That's what college kids yeah, do, yeah. right? <laughs> right, right, right. That's what I was doing. So I didn't see my name anywhere heading into my senior season. And I'm like, well, I was an All-American in, in high school. I was the Gatorade player of the year in my state. I won two state titles, all this stuff that, you know, I don't get hung up on, but I'm like, dang, like, give me some credit about, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's a team sport, and I've always been a team player, but, you know, you still want your due credit. So I know Virginia, I didn't stand out statistically or anything like that, but I always felt like I always held my own against the guys that they were talking about. So now I'm heading into my senior season. Nobody's mentioning me in the preseason. Nobody's – I'm on no pre-SEC teams or anything like that. So I kind of took that, you know. As Michael Jordan said in that documentary last year, like I kind of took that to heart and yeah. uh, it just kind of fueled something in me. So I started seeing my name on these mock draft boards about, you know, in non-conference play, uh, in non-conference play around November, December. And I was like, hey, you know, I finally see my name. And then now it's conference play. Now I'm starting to see my name move up on the boards and things like that. That's when I started to feel like it was real. Right. right. So let's talk about it. That draft night, you did get drafted. 42nd in 2007 NBA draft by the Portland Trailblazers. Um, we got to know how you kind of felt on draft night um, because everyone, you know, doesn't get to experience, 
you know, those magic yeah. words of, of, you know, their name getting called on that stage. Kind of what was, what was the one thing that kind of stuck out for you? Or was there something that you, you know, will forever remember about that night from being drafted and getting your name called? Yeah. I mean, my experience was a little different. Um, every, every kid who wants to play basketball dreams of that moment that David Stern or Adam Silver now uh, says their name. And it was no different for me, but I really felt like I was in a position to uh, have my name called earlier. I think a lot of these prognosticators and, and all these scouts and everybody um, predicted that I would go a little higher. And, and, and I approached the draft, the pre-draft process as such. I wanted to go against Orlando Tucker, Aaron Aflalo, Corey Brewer, all these other wing players that everybody's talking about going high. Um, it was a disappointment. It was a disappointment for me. I, I mean, no, no way to hide around that. Uh, so I, I was at Madison Square Garden during the draft and expected to hear my name called earlier. It wasn't. And so in that moment, I really couldn't process like, all right, you should be grateful. You should be thankful. You heard your name called. All I was looking at was I thought it was going to be here. Everybody thought it was going to be here. And then I dropped in, in so many people's eyes. And, uh, you know, for a 23-year-old, man, that, that, that was disappointing. Uh, on top of that, I went to a team that had eight wing players under guaranteed deals. So we weren't able to facilitate any sort of trade or anything like that to try to get me in a better position. So I didn't really like the situation I went into. Um, I, I felt like I was working from a deficit from day one, right. if I'm right. honest. <laughs> that, I mean, that's interesting. Interesting. That's a good answer. I mean, that's a great answer. But let's talk about your professional career a little bit. You were mostly played a lot overseas, right? Um, we know you played in places like Greece, France, and Germany. What uh, was their favorite place, team that you played with or played at? And and take us through that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, I played overseas. I played a lot in the G League as well. Um, I've been to over forty countries. I've had numerous teammates. Uh, I can't say that every uh, situation ended up being a, uh, a great one or a good situation or anything like that. But what it did was taught me a lot. I got a chance to build a lot of relationships and things like that. To answer your question, I, I would say that Berlin stands out. Um, Berlin, Germany stands out as one of the better cities I've been to. Um, you know, a lot of people speak English there. It's kind of easy to uh, assimilate yourself and, Right. Um, the, 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 the arena was like a, a top-notch arena, everything like that. So Berlin stands out. Seville, Spain was beautiful. Um, I got a chance to play with a lot of guys there. Christoph Porzingis, Willie Hernan Gomez, oh, that's cool. uh, some other guys who got drafted. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, been a lot of places, man. You've so been around the whole out. world, Derek. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. Europe, Europe, at least. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, we yeah. know we know you balled out for I mean, you're still balling right now, but I, mm -hmm. there's it's a funny time, Derek, because I think in I think it was 2012. I was a senior in high school. Um, I can't remember where you came from. You're somewhere in Europe, but then you had a chance to go to the Spurs and I think you played a couple of games, but then it was the Grizzlies and I actually saw you practice at Memphis, okay. or, uh, at, in, at Innsworth in Nashville. And you're yep. like, yeah, you're like, you were like the only guy uh, shooting extra shots, you know, while, you know, after practice is done, you, you, I guess Gasol and Mike Miller was on that team as well. And yep. I, don't, 
I mean, we know you, the Nashville boys know you. I mean, yeah. everybody and their moms knows you can play basketball, man. What is up with these NBA teams not, <laughs> not signing you to a full? I guess it was hard for the Spurs because they had Tony Parker and all that at the time. But God, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, that's yeah. frustrating for me to see, too. <laughs> it was frustrating. I, I admit it was frustrating that year in particular that you're talking about. So you got my hometown team, the Memphis Grizzlies. And like you said, training camp was in Nashville. We were practicing at Innsworth. I, mean, I thought the odds were pretty good to make that team. I mean, they only had, I think, Tayshawn Prince, Tony Allen and Mike Miller on the wings, uh, really, that I really felt like I could have carved out a niche there, but it wasn't meant to be. Right. They don't know who Derek Byers is, man. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> All right, so know, let's man. talk about this this new league that you're a part of. Connie, you, you've been – I think you're the only player that has played in all of the seasons start to finish uh, for the big three. Um, <laughs> you went on to – uh, the big three shout out uh, fourth man pod, but it's a all exclusive big three, you know, podcast. Um, but you kind of talked about your career and how you got started with the big three. Kind of take us through, you know, how you got your invite and, you know, how you really got started with the big three. I will. Yeah. So I think I'm the only non-captain okay. that has played all. Yeah. All three years. Uh, I haven't gotten a captainship yet. Uh, Give it to anyway, him, man. Give it. He wants the cap. I know, right? Look at that face. He wants it. <laughs> yeah, I've been around. But um, Big Three is very innovative. Uh, Ice Cube, uh, Jeff Quatnitz, his, his business uh, partner, they created a great thing that was uh, driving a lot of attention and audiences during the, the offseason of the NBA. So during the summers. Um, basketball is an interesting thing. So I just mentioned Roger Mace's name as – he was a guy who left Virginia where I felt like, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to play at Virginia where I committed to. So Roger Mason gets appointed as the commissioner of the big three. He was the first guy I reached out to like, Hey man, like I, I read on the news, what's going on. What is this league? I see Allen Iverson, Kenyon Martin, all these guys are part of it. How can I get on basically? And um, he just told, he sent me the, what is it? The registration or whatever to sign up. I went out to the tryouts and man, yeah. I approached that thing like I'm one of the least known guys here. They know Rashad McCants. They know these guys. Like these are the name guys. And I just wanted my game to speak for myself, man. So I went out there and I just um had a good camp. I'll just say that. And so uh I was drafted seventh overall with that. Nice. And it's been a good deal. It's been a good thing to be a part of the last three summers. Well, excluding last summer, last of course. Summer. Right. Derek, what's the um, what's the biggest difference between playing in the big three and I don't know five on five competitive basketball? Yeah, I mean, obviously you got the half court, so it's half court, not full court for guys that are older. Um, I think the biggest difference for me and one of the reasons I've been able to kind of do my thing a little bit in it is three on three. Your chances of touching the ball is greater, obviously, as opposed to being in five on five and you're a wing player. Just go to the corner. The point guard is going to operate and you got to be ready for a catch and shoot. You know what I mean? So now I get to do some of the things that I'm more that I'm better at. At Vandy, I moved out the ball really well. Um, we had a Princeton offense that first year. And then the next year we had a, a kind of a deviation of the Princeton offense. So we had that, but also pick and choose your spots. So I think in the big three, man, I'm just able to move it out the ball. There's more gaps. There's more isolation opportunities, which I feel great about. I mean, you're putting My guys, you're, you're breaking ankles on the big three, man. We see what you're doing over there. 
Yeah, man. You know, I had to do it, man. I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it presents those types of opportunities. I, I don't have those same type of opportunities when five on five ball, when guys just type, they like to relegate me to the corner or things like that. And I, I feel like I've proven myself to handle the ball as well in certain times. Right. So nice. like you mentioned earlier, Big Three ended kind of in uh, 2019 as the 2020 season was kind of completely canceled, right? And then yeah. it, they're hopeful that it's going to return for its fourth season this summer, correct? Correct. That's what, okay. from what I've heard. Ice Cube plans to have it regardless of what happens, and they're going to be, um, uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to figure out a way to do that. Okay. So, what have you been doing since? I guess 2019 is your last like real yeah. basketball competitively. Are you still planning on playing in the Big Three this upcoming year? Or what, what's What's kind of you know your next steps as 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 buyers? Yeah, I mean, I'm approaching it like this could probably be my last um, run, and I feel good about um, my body, my health, the way I'm moving right now. Still, I still feel great. I still feel like I can play, but I'm about to be 37 uh, in a couple months, and this is not something you know. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf is out there, 51, still getting buckets. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, that's a lot of discipline to, to yeah. be able to still be able to do that. I can't imagine doing that at that age. He's, he's different, but yeah, I mean, if they'll have me, I'll play as long as they'll have me for. So I'm approaching it like this could be the last run or it could have been the last run in 2019. So I'll gear up for that and I'll be ready. Um, if they have another season this year. And are they, is, it, is there a new rule with the big three, something about G league guys playing in the big three or can they do both? Or is that speculation? Yeah, so that first year, it was only NBA experienced guys. And I right. think the minimum age was 30. The next year, it was like the age was 27. And then you can be an overseas player. Then the next year, it was like anybody, <laughs> you can work at Walmart or whatever, and you can play. You know what I mean? So they opened it up to a lot of different guys, so it made the competition stiffer. Right. So for that first year, I think I was 33. I was one of the younger guys. It helped me out. And now it's like, I'm one of the older ones, so... Well, we uh, we see what you're doing, Derek. You're, you're crossing yeah. ankles still, man. Don't act like 37 old, man. But we know <laughs> you got a wife and two kids. We get it. We get it. Yeah, but yeah, right, right, <laughs> man. Derek Byers. We got Derek Byers once again. You're tuning to Man to Man on Dash Radio. We got DB in the house, man. Before we let you go, Derek, we do this with everybody. Just quick rapid fire questions. Whatever comes to mind first, you know, let us hear it, man. All right, cool, cool. I'm game for that. All righty, cool. Favorite food in the fridge? What you got? Favorite food in the fridge? Anything that's Italian. Anything that's Italian. Big pasta guy? Big pasta, wrap, you know, lasagna, all that. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Best party you've been to? You had any Vandy Ooh. parties back in the day? Or you got you got some NBA parties or what, man? <laughs> Come on, man. Best parties. Shoot. You going to the Vandy hey, fraternities? Hurricanes used to jump. Hurricanes, that, that, that one club in Nashville back in the day, right yeah. down 2nd Avenue, that thing used to jump. You used to hit really? hurricanes. You were a hurricane. All the time. Oh, me, Damari <laughs> Carroll, and Red Gordon, Shane Foster, all of us, man. We would be there. You know who I uh I saw Ronnie Mack the other day, bro. And yo, you did tell Ronnie, Ronnie Mack I said, What's up if you see him again? I, I will. Him and uh the other guy, I don't think it's Corey Smith. It's it's a Corey, another guy, but Ronnie Corey, Mack. C A, Corey Allen. Corey Allen, bro. He is That's always me. at Midtown, bro. He is always yeah. Midtown is different now, man. All that they got the, the I know 
they got all that out there. That, that one spot in Midtown, the breakfast place, all that. I like yeah, it. Yeah, man. man. It's it's been crazy. Ronnie's still going to Midtown with his girl. He's still yeah. over in the Vandy area. <laughs> it's funny to see. <laughs> it's still a vibrant city down here. But I uh, see. Man. Got the gulch, all that, man. I'm yeah. like, we didn't have no gulch when I was here. What is this? <laughs> I, I know. It. I lived over on 12 South. It's not like what it is today. But uh, all right, here we go. Most nervous moment in your life, or maybe one of the most. Shoot, I know we're. Not, you don't seem like a nervous guy, but not not really. But um, had any jitters or anything? Maybe playing against Florida or anything like that. Nervous in basketball? I do know. I was playing against Michigan State as a freshman, and Dick Vitale was there, and I'm growing up watching Dick Vitale. Now he's <laughs> at the game, and I'm. I'm crapping bricks, man, because <laughs> that place was rocking. I'm starting as a freshman. I think I had a good two points that game. Dang. I was nervous. <laughs> I was nervous for real. All right. What about uh, – this is more of our serious one, man, but we just like to hear what guys say about it. Um, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? If I don't know if you even want the world's attention for 30 seconds, but what would you say? If you <laughs> what would you say? It was, DB, enlighten the world That's here, a good man. point. Man, it's a serious one, right? So I mean, I don't know. I'm all, I'm I'm somebody who is I'm big on I'm positivity. I'm big on positivity. I'm big on love. There's nobody I'm jealous of at all in the world. There's nobody I'm envious of. There's no uh, there's no hate, and I feel like the world doesn't have enough of that. There's a, there's a lot of people looking to the left and to the right of them. Mm-hmm. What's he up to? What's he up to? And I think there's a lot of people that like to elevate themselves while putting somebody else down and not bringing the other person along with them. I'm mm-hmm. not like that at all. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that I've tried to help with no expectation in return. There is, uh, I always wish well for people. And I feel like um, I would love to see a lot of that uh, a lot more of that in the world these days. I mean, togetherness, love, unity. That's 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 what I'm on. So I would like yeah. to see that. Something we all need right now, right? Um, exactly. And DB, we saw it from you, man. We saw it from you, and you know, at your time at Vandy, and we appreciate it again. Um, what about a uh, what about a dream car? You got a dream car? Um, dream car? It? Nah, I'm not dreaming it already. Huh? <laughs> I said, no, I'm not you have really it already. <laughs> not that I have it already. Nah, I, I I always wanted like a um, a Range Rover when I was growing up and things like that. And now you you see things shifting toward uh, electric vehicles mm-hmm. and things like that. The world's just moving, man. So got to move with it. So I really um I don't know. I got my eye on that Rolls Royce truck, man. Of Maybe course one day. you do, man. We'll I got my <laughs> eyes on the Rolls Royce truck too, dog. <laughs> Those right. are nice. I like those. What about uh, one person you could eat dinner with, dead or alive? Dead or alive? Mm-hmm. Man. Kobe Bryant. That we jersey knew, right behind you. knew you were going to say that. Like, come you on. Did. Yeah, that's, my, that's my favorite player of all time. And I was able, I was fortunate to meet him once or twice. And uh, Obviously, unfortunate what happened almost a year ago to this date. But mm-hmm. you know, if I if I could spend more time with him uh, than I did, that would have been the person I chose probably. Yeah, we saw that picture of you and Kobe when you were younger. Super cool, man. R.I.P. to yep. a legend. What about uh, uh, you're in Miami, right? You reside in Miami. Yeah. A favorite place yeah. to go in Miami. 
I know you don't uh, really go at a lot of places right now with COVID, but favorite right. place? Right, right, right. Um, man, I just be to jam all the time. I'm just trying to think. Um, Come on, man. You say your place, people are going to show up there and take pictures with you. Right, right, right. Everybody talks about South Beach. You know, that's um, <laughs> that's where a lot of the stuff is happening out there. Brickell is a, is a growing area of Miami, uh, right right off downtown and midtown is growing as well so no particular place at all i would say i just i really just be in the gym all the time <laughs> be in the gym man jordan or yeah. mj who you got i'm sorry jordan or lebron oh okay <laughs> jordan no all day all day okay. no question no, no question. question about it expect hey, i'll tell you what we got to watch the documentary for guys like me and and got to see what it was all about and so mm-hmm. i appreciated that and i was like okay it's it's got to be jordan at this point um, okay. Right. Yeah, we uh we ask everybody this Derek is our last one best NBA show out there. NBA the Jump inside the NBA or the boys over at Man to Man. The boys over at Man to Man, of course. Come on, man. You already <laughs> here. Vandy legend Derek Byers, man. We appreciate you coming on the show, Derek. Before uh we let you go, man, where can people keep up with you on social? I appreciate you having me. Uh social my Twitter is official DB. Um one of my business pages on uh, Instagram is Buyers Basketball. So you guys okay, can cool. follow me on there as well. Cool. Yeah. We will link that, man. DB, again, we appreciate it, man. National community loves you, man. It's all love over here, and we'll keep in touch, and, and you take care, brother, all right? No doubt, man. You guys be easy. Appreciate right, it, man. All right, man. All right, thanks for having me. Man, Derek Byers, man. Stud in the wall. Like you were mentioning, man, with the fourth man pod, shout out to those guys who are also on Dash. They, you know, talk about big three, two dudes like us. And they had Derek Byers on. And I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't seen Derek. I, I tell you, dude, I went to all the Vandy camps. All of our friends down here in Nashville went to all the Vandy camps. That team, 05, 06, 07, when he was there, it was just, I mean, they killed it. Shane Foster beat the number one ranked team in Florida. And and uh, it was just a kind of a cool thing to, to talk to Derek again. And he don't remember who I am, but I think he remembers my dad. But, man, he, he's gone through that, that whole Vandy community from one person to the very last. So uh, we appreciate DB again. That's Derek Byers, uh, young stud in the wall, plays for the big three with Baron Davis and those guys. So hopefully uh, we, we'll, you know, keep in touch with him and, and talk to him again, right? Right, yeah. Great to have him on. I mean, that was – Honestly, somebody I, like we mentioned earlier in, in the episode, both looked up to, you know, as a younger guy, you know, aspiring to be a basketball player like we both were at that age, you know, anybody of that stature, you know, doing it and, and being on a really good team and just doing everything right, you know, on and off the court, you really do look up to people like that. And it was cool to, you know, kind of get back in touch with him and, and seeing what he's up to and, the big three, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't watch a ton of it, but, you know, now, you know, we got a little connection there. I'll definitely tune into a couple more games. We're we going to send buyers some merch. Maybe you can rock a hoodie for pregame big three, you know. They'll probably right. just not have any fans, kind of what the NBA is doing right now. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it was good to have him on. But, uh, I mean, I guess with that, man, we're going to get out of here um, and bring this episode to a wrap. Make sure to go follow us on all social platforms. That's at Man to Man Podcast. Um, tune into you know our episode next week. But uh, with that, get your man, damn I'm, merch. 
Yeah, get your damn merch out here, And, and man. share with your moms, dude. Listen, <laughs> we need the moms to get involved. I don't know. We're probably not going to stop saying this unless the moms are involved. If you can show us proof that one mom, you got one mom to, you know, like basketball and somehow like our podcast, we're done. We'll just quit the podcast. Listen, I wouldn't say that. Don't, don't say that because then we might have to quit next week. We might have to quit and then actually, but listen, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe we can go visit uh buyers in Miami and do like our own pod thing and then post up somewhere in front of the, the local gym or something. Yeah, that would be cool. But with that, man, I'm a namaste. I'm out of here. All right. Namaste to you guys. Namaste. Namaste Pacer Nation. Bragi with the game winner in OT. <laughs> Straight hustling